podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello, it is that time again. Welcome along to Steve Bloomer's Washing, your independent Derby County fan podcast. We are flying headlong towards the championship run-in in this weirdest and most testing of seasons for a number of years. And the Rams are still nervously looking over their shoulders, trying to dodge that relegation trapdoor. But once again, recent performances have done nothing to inspire confidence as good form abandons us, bad habits return, and ugly defeats are the results. What's happened to that upward momentum that Wayne Rooney generated at Derby? How many more points do we need to be safe from relegation? All those questions we probably won't answer, to be honest with you, but uh, then not much about this Derby County season has really made much sense, has it, to be honest? And speaking of not making much sense, joining me, Chris Parsons, our podcast stalwart, Richard Kutcher and Tom Martin. You had a good week, boys. What have you been up to since we last spoke? Yeah, what have we been up to? Uh, I, I've dug out uh, a 20-year-old version of Championship Manager yesterday, which uh, reinvigorated my weekend, uh, took, gave me a bit of escapism from uh, from the real Derby County of, of 2021. Other than that, uh, just working really and, and finding, you know, scraping the barrel of finding more series and old films and whatever it is to watch to, to, to pass the time. How are you both feeling? I mean... You know, the, the the end is in sight, dare I say. Light at the end of the old lockdown tunnel, but at the same time that light is still quite far away. How are you how you how are you coping, Tom? You're right? Yeah, yeah, good Chris. It was uh it was nice to briefly see you on the, the doorstep on, on Friday night to celebrate you moving into your new house. So it was nice to have a bit of a normality and social interaction. Obviously I'm back into work next week, which I'm actually really looking forward to as a teacher. It's gonna be good to have the kids back into school uh and really good to not be staring at a computer screen with a blank face, uh load of blank faces coming back at me for for six hours in the day. So yeah, I'm actually I'm actually feeling quite positive about this week, getting back into a routine of of work and, and going into work and stuff. And I, I do feel that hopefully the end is in sight and I hope that things haven't been released too early. So we have to do this again because I think I'm done with virtual learning, lockdown, not being able to do anything and, and trying to fill the time with, as Kutch says, desperate series and football manager saves from yesteryear. I feel you. Uh, I have made, I'd like to announce, two very exciting purchases recently. I told you about one of them, but the, uh, the first one is I'm now the proud owner of a lawnmower. Got one of those bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> and a strimmer, Chris? And a matching strimmer, yeah. Fly no easy glide, matching strimmer. Um, I'm, not even, I'm not even embarrassed about how excited I am to, to get that bad boy out in the grass when it dries up a bit. And uh, got myself a pizza oven as well, didn't I? I'm just, I'm going all in for this summer. I'm going to make up for last time. Definitely up for a pizza with the pod at some point in person, Chris. That sounds very good. Totally, yeah. you have to. Yeah, it's um, you do whatever you can to to get through uh, to get through at the moment. But uh, yeah, my way has just been to uh, 
spend my way out of spend my ways make myself feel better which you know is the derby county way in many ways so <laughs> but that's quite on brand yeah that is for, for those lucky enough to have safe jobs and we are very all three of us are very lucky to have secure jobs it is tempting isn't it just to just to, to make yourself feel better by buying some shiny new toy and you know for me that might be Championship manager 2001-2002. For Chris, that's a, that's a hedge trimmer. So yeah, each of their own, I guess, on that one. <laughs> Tell us about this Chapman thing then, Kutch. Like you said to us on WhatsApp that you, uh, you, you've you dusted off Chapman 0102. What's your, what's your starting 11 then? I'm assuming you're Derby. Yeah, took over Derby and I, I shared a picture on Twitter and good God, that squad was in a bad way. Now, obviously it was technically a Premier League squad in the sense that the team was in the Premier League, but we that was obviously the season we got relegated. And it was just just the centre-backs alone. The, the, the sorting out I had to do in that first couple of hours, Conblatsis out, Otto Bjorn Bragstad out, Ian Evatt out, Paul Boatine out. I even had to uh, you know, get rid of... Um, Georgie Kincladzi and Branko Strupa because the age profile and, and the wages were just far too high. So I brought in a 17-year-old Dean Ashton who was uh, banging the goals in for crew in Division 1 already. Chano Samba from Millwall, of course, is a classic purchase. So I brought him in and a few of the a few of the super Swedes. So the board just told me to stay up. We're in mid-table come uh, come January. Um, Dean Sturridge did score a hat-trick for Leicester against me in, his, in the second game of the season, which was depressing. And a young Frank Lampard scored two goals for Chelsea against me. But... We'll get through this season and uh, a bit more squad reshaping will uh, will continue um, in the summer. I've never been a Chapman expert. I was always just more of a pro Evo FIFA guy myself, but the names that I can reel off, uh, Kim Kalfstrom, gone for him. I have. He's already in the starting lineup. Yeah, brought him in. <laughs> Tom Tonzola Makuku, you got is he, if he's even a real person, you got him in, you got him involved. Yeah, he well, he was in the Derby reserves. So I think he's seventeen. Um, so yeah, he's already uh, kind of on the bench. Him and Cherno Samba are, are pushing Malcolm Christie, Dean Ashton, and, and Fabrizio Ravinelli as, as my strikers. So we've got we've got a lot of young talent ready to burst through. What about uh, Tajani Babangida? You got him, you got him in the mix. I haven't. No, I haven't got Babangida. No, I haven't. Uh, Jim, Lionel Pickering was starting to put, you know, tighten the purse string somewhat in 2001. Torivo West was a free transfer either on that game or the 2000-2001 game. You bought him if you were Barcelona or if you were like Crew Alexander and he would come to you. It was an outstanding signing. But Freddie Adu, surely Kutch. I mean, he's he was the revelation of that, that champ man, footy manager era. Well, I, I thought so as well. I actually think he might have been a bit later because I searched for Freddie Adu. It didn't, it didn't exist on the game. So I wonder if he was possibly 2002, 2003 or 2003, 2004. I haven't, I, I've actually stopped myself from doing some proper research. I got lots of pointers on Twitter from people and I, I, I'll admit I took up some of them. Um, but I didn't want to just do the obvious cheat. And there's even tactics you can download, which will basically just win you the league <laughs> in the first season because the game isn't that sophisticated. Uh, but I've avoided that. So, um, I, I, But Trevor West, I did forget to search for him. So I'm not sure if he was available on a free. I'll be honest, we could and maybe we should talk about pretend football for the next half an hour. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to dig in and talk about IRL Derby County in real life Derby County. Uh, Kutch, you revealed to us in the last podcast that you hadn't drank for a month during Derby's relegation scrap and a third national lockdown. Surely our recent form must have driven you back to the bottle. Not quite. Um, last, so, yeah, generally no. I mean, last weekend we went, we, I went for a long walk with my parents and uh, someone did crack open a very nice summer beer at the end of the walk and I did have a sip, if that's allowed. So I had, I had a sip and I almost went to the fridge and got myself uh, a full one, but I stopped myself and, and that was the only one I've had since then. So uh, yeah, generally no. Uh, my target is uh, is 1st of April. 
uh, will continue going. But if Derby continue this way and boring the life out of us all, then maybe I'll, I'll break before. But yeah, I'll admit I had one small relapse. Well, when you do have a full relapse and you get well and truly off the wagon, I'm sure you'll be hitting up Derby Brewing Company, uh, our podcast partners for the season, Derby's original craft brewer. But since we last spoke then, boys, there was a routine win over Huddersfield. Great stuff. Uh, then it got progressively steadily worse, really. A fairly undeserved point in the Derby against Forest, and then two woeful performances against Cardiff and Coventry, where we had the chance to well and truly put daylight between ourselves and the bottom three. But instead, we still haven't completely pulled away from uh, from relegation. We're still shipping points and goals to teams around us. And there's still the very real threat of Wayne Rooney managing us in League One next season. Some alarming recent throwbacks to the worst performances under Philip Koku for me in, in recent games. We've just reverted to being passive, gifting the opposition ridiculous goals with uh, with stupid errors and, and being outfought physically, which was, as we said before we started recording, the main thing, the main improvement which Derby County had made under Wayne Rooney. So, so, so what's going wrong then, Tom? I mean, we can't really blame tiredness against Coventry and three of the starters Byrne, Jason Knight and CKR had been rested and two more of them only played a few minutes Waghorn and I'm going to say Roberts I think but is this season just starting to catch up with us I think where's it where's it all gone wrong in the last three games because let's face it we've deserved absolutely nothing from the last three games Uh, yeah I'll agree with that final statement I'm not sure whether the season is catching up with us I never think we were ahead of the season so it can't have ever caught up with us because we've been pretty shocking all season but the last three games have been been really concerning and really worrying individual mistakes the lack of confidence when uh, and a lack of risk taking but appropriate risk taking in the final third means that we look very predictable we're very side to side again we look completely toothless up front I don't think we had a shot against Cardiff and if we did then I don't remember it and Yesterday, I think Matt Clark had the only shot on target for us uh, with a pass which wasn't even initially meant for him. Um, and the keeper did well to save it or to come out and smother it. So, so yeah, really concerning the last two away games. Um, very concerning performance against Forrest as well because we didn't, as you said on the verdict uh, with my brother, um, we didn't deserve anything. It was a get-out-of-jail point, that one, and um, a fantastic strike from CKR. But like that's the only way we look like scoring at the moment. And things need to go back to basics. We need to be, keep it tight. Um, on Tuesday night against Barnsley, but I'm, I'm very, very concerned again. And it's a shame because I, I've been saying for a long time, if Derby perform as we can do against Swansea, against uh, Birmingham, even against Huddersfield, we'll pick the points out and we shouldn't have any problems staying up. If we continue to perform like we are, we've got to hope that Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday, maybe even Rotherham are worse than us and they go down. You know, I feel like going back to basics was only ever going to get us so far. And particularly the likes of, you know, the kind of effort that Knight and Shinny uh, put in, in in that initial really good run under Rooney what was incredible and they deserve full praise for that but it, it would be foolish to expect them to be able to keep up those kinds of energy levels and, and quality because Knight was producing some great quality not so much in kind of picking out passes but winning free kicks and beating players and getting us up the pitch that hasn't continued I don't think he's benefited from the, the system changing um, and him moving around he's kind of the piece you can always move around and slot in somewhere else because he can just do a job but at the moment he's just about doing a job and that's about it. Shinny seems quiet as well. I think there has been a sense of it catching up with us fitness-wise, but that should be the same for every club in the division. We've played no more games than others. Uh, we've gone out early in the Cups, so we haven't had lots of Cup games. 
I think it's just, it's got a bit confused. Where it had gone back to basics, it's got confused. Obviously, Christian Bielek being injured hasn't helped. But as I think I said before, no other team in the league has Christian Bielek. So we can't just use that as an excuse to say, oh, we miss Bielek. Well, no other team has him. And they get by and they create good midfields without him. So I think Rooney's probably guilty of over overthinking things and overchanging things with the coaching staff. And that's probably rubbed off on the players. We just look to, as Tom said, toothless is, is the word that sums up the last three performances, particularly going forward. I, I just look at the way we play and I just wonder if we are slightly being worked out, really. Like we went back to basics, as you say, Kutch, it got us to a certain point, got us a few points and a few goals. But the way we play at the moment, it just seems like without having any real attacking threat from the wide men and the wingers, it, it seems like if we don't score from a set piece, or like a bit of magic from CKR, or just, you know, picking up bits and pieces, then we, we get easily worked out. And that seems to be completely the case against Coventry, also the case against Cardiff. Going back to the Coventry performance, the most worrying part for me was that they just, Coventry just seemed to have so much more intensity in the first half and composure on the ball. They were like, they were winning the battles in the middle. We didn't create anything because we didn't, do the basics well enough uh you know simple passes were just going out of play must have been four or five times over the course of the game where we try and build an attack but someone would just pass it out for a throw inexplicably and as i said when nothing sticks to, to ckr who got the odd flick down and and brought players into play once or twice we don't look like we can create anything Tom, do you think we're in danger of of, of being becoming too predictable, too one-dimensional? Yeah, I can certainly see that. And I think the problem comes from the, the players that are around CKR. Like, There's been a lot of talk about player of the season this year and, and CKR for me is the, the runaway winner at the moment because there's not a lot of competition to that. And if you look at the players around him, Juzviak's uh, come in, four million pound, he's a Polish international. He's clearly talented, but I think he's got one assist and one goal all season. Simply not good enough. Patrick Roberts has come in on loan and he looks bright at times, but he looks a bit devoid of confidence and um, he doesn't quite have that sort of finishing touch. The opportunity he had, which was deflected away for a corner, uh, having like pressed high and, and won the ball back from a poor goalkeeper pass out, sort of summed it up like a player of real confidence would uh, would have taken it on. And um, I, I've got a lot of time for Martin Waghorn, but this season he's been really disappointing. He's I'd have thought he'd be fighting for a new contract, but at the end of the season, I understand it's up and I can't see it being renewed because he's not offering anything for the team. Like I barely noticed that he was playing yesterday and he's had a really disappointing season. I'm sure he'd admit that uh, himself. Like He's just not scored enough goals and not created enough, but that's the problem. We, we haven't got any players who are creating or scoring things or looking like they're going to get on the end of things. And the fact that Clark has the best chance of the game and regularly misses opportunities in the six-yard box that sums it up if our centre-back is our most dangerous player. To bring this back to the midfield debate, if it is the fact that every single winger that comes into this team ends up being crap to, or, or inconsistent to be more generous, is that not a reflection on something different? Is that not a reflection on our midfield? Is that not a reflection on, on the lack of service they get? If every single winger that we play, and we've tried... We've played actual. We've tried actual wingers. We've tried midfielders as wingers. We've tried strikers as wingers. In the case of Martin Waghorn, if they're all rubbish when they play in those positions, is the problem not somewhere else? And the scent, and the idea that they're not actually getting the right kind of service. There's not the right kind of movement around them. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not letting 
Juzvac's recent form off the hook and Patrick Roberts won a few, a few free kicks yesterday, but every time he actually got into the box from, from the right-hand side, which he did a few times, he was always looking to go onto his left foot. There wasn't a single time he went onto his right foot, I don't think. And it, it was just predictable they can read that. So that's, that's something they need to fix. But there's not enough, in my opinion, Buchanan and Byrne do have great engines and they can be very threatening going forward. I often think the timings of the runs aren't right around them and then and the, and the winger doesn't have the right options inside to the, to recycle properly and then we end up going back to center back so the wingers have been poor but the fact that all of the wingers have been poor all season must speak to something else going wrong with the system and the tactics yeah they have been poor largely all season but i think it's less to do with the players around them and more just around them not showing the quality at the right time in the right areas like think back to birmingham away and the assist that Juzviat produced for uh, for Knight, the tap in, where he, he gets he gets onto a loose ball, chops inside, picks out the absolute perfect cross for Knight. Like how many other times he's done that this season? Not enough. And he's had the opportunities. He had him yesterday against Coventry. He had times when he was standing up the fullback and he'd try a trick, try to get round him, or he's not strong enough, or he hasn't got the guile to to beat him, or maybe in a couple of cases there isn't an option inside to create space and give the defender a decision to make so yeah i see what you're saying but i just think it's the players not showing enough quality but in terms of that goal tom the reason i said that i feel like the season might be catching up with us is because we have had recently uncharacteristic errors from players who have been generally really solid this season and made us a better team Against Forest, it was David Marshall who dropped an absolute howler for their goal. And against Coventry, it was Nathan Byrne who who had a complete mare. Like, talk us through what what happened for that Coventry goal. Yeah, Byrne, Byrne commits the cardinal sin of playing the ball across your own half in a sort of dangerous position. He had no reason to do it. I, I, I don't understand why he did do it because Byrne does well to win the ball back just inside the derby half and then gives it back to Byrne who, instead of maybe opening his body up and perhaps trying to find Roberts and then get round the outside of him, which I think is one of the issues of us going going back to that conversation about us going forward, like Byrne and, and whoever is at left back, be it Buchanan or whoever, aren't getting forward to support the wingers enough and that maybe makes us a bit more predictable. But Byrne seems to cut back inside and then he tries to play the crossfield pass to, to Buchanan and similarly to Granite Xhaka, unfortunately, it deflects off a, an opposing player and unlike Granite Xhaka's uh, pass against against Burnley, which ended up off Chris Wooden in the net, it it deflected into the Coventry striker who did fantastically well in between Wisdom and Clark and finished it with a plomb. Um, absolutely no, nothing that any of those two or Roos could have done with that. But Burn, Burn knew he made a mistake and these errors are creeping into the derby performances and it is the usually reliable players. And if we if we start to sort of um, have those mistakes come, come in and they continue for the next 12 games, we're going to be in real trouble and we need to we need to get that consistency back and cut those mistakes out. Every single player in the Derby side this season has had that. I recall I was talking about Matt Clark at the beginning of the year and he's cut those out. Uh, we just need to do it consistently because at the moment, one or two players are letting us down. And as a result, we're playing almost with nine or 10 who are at the top of their game. And that's not good enough for us at the moment. I think as well, it's a good demonstration of going back to what we said about going back to basics. I think the pitchers aren't, the pitchers aren't going to get any better 
this season. Um, obviously, the weather might improve, but the amount of games are getting played on them in such short time means the pitches aren't getting better. The team's devoid of confidence. When we pass it around too much to the back, we, we're not really going anywhere. How many goals have we scored this season when, we, when we've built slowly from the back and then and then the ball's ended up in the back of the net? I'd say more often than not, it ends up in, in our own net after we buck about a bit too much. And I'm all for trying to good play, play good football in the right circumstances and with the right players. And we haven't got the right players or the confidence to do it. I would go I would go back to basics. I'd put Shinny and Knight very much in the centre of the pitch. And then it's a fight between Bird, Sibley and, and Louis Watson, actually, uh, to be the third midfielder in front of those two and then put other players around it. Um, for me, we're going to see more mistakes like Burns if we continue to overplay at the back in, in, these, in this last couple of months of the season. The disappointing thing was that that defeat came from a team who'd been largely rested from uh, Cardiff City away where Derby got walloped 4-0. You, uh, you both had the misfortune to sit through that one. I luckily uh, avoided watching that entire game. But uh, Rooney did get a lot of stick from the fans after that for putting out the team that he did. Some people saying that he basically conceded the game, which I feel was a bit extreme. I mean, he would say that he put the players out who believed he could get something from that fixture. Others have said that it was reasonable and the other players had to have a rest. But the players that did come in are the players that we've got. Maybe it's a little subtle message from Rooney that we need more in the summer if he's to take this team forward. I didn't really disagree with his decision at the time. And plenty of other players, plenty of other fans didn't either. And Mengi played at the back. He played 80 minutes for Wickham. But aside from that, hadn't really played a full professional game, but he is what we had. It was the combination, really, of, of lack of experience in key areas that, that did for us. George Edmondson seemed to end up playing as like a defensive midfielder, which obviously cost us one goal and didn't really help our shape. But a couple of questions for you both. Do you really blame Rooney for his team selection, Tom? And we had 73% possession against Cardiff, but lost 4-0. How does that happen? The the buck stops with Rooney with regards to team selection, and he's had a he's had a bad week. Let's put it that way. But every manager's going to go through a bad a bad spell. On the face of it, I understand the resting and rotating of of players, but I think it should be personally. I think it should be done incrementally, so you're not resting an entire a whole load of players from the from the team. And I thought the side that went out against Cardiff was obviously much weaker, uh, but it was done there to to do a job against Cardiff, and it did not work. And their players looked confused and all over the place, and we couldn't get from the back five or four, depending on what we were actually playing, because it was quite hard to work out where Edmondson was, whether he was a centre-back or defensive midfielder, into the sort of forward players. And I, yeah, I didn't see any sort of positives from the performance on uh, on Tuesday against Cardiff. And um, yeah, and having 73% possession, the reason for that is because Cardiff shut out the ball. Every time we went to the left centre-back, someone went and closed Buchanan down. Every time we went to the right centre-back, someone went and closed, closed down our full-back as well. So it was just really clever play from Cardiff and Mick McCarthy did a complete job on Wayne Rooney and the tactics that we had. I'll give you, Tom, the right to respond uh, here here and now because you did tweet about Keller Roos for uh, one of Cardiff's goals and you said that you thought his contribution was shocking. You did also point out, I should say, that the defending was also really bad in the lead up to that. But you, if I'm putting it politely, had some um, some, some passionate debate in your replies on Twitter after that one, I'm assuming you you completely stand by what you said about Keller Roos at the time for that goal. I also stand by what I said about Edmondson in the previous podcast, which I did get a few pelts for as well. I don't think he's a good enough player at this level, and I don't think Keller Roos is a championship goalkeeper. I've had the 
fortune of with my friends watching Bristol Rovers in the over the last decade or so and he was on loan for for them before he really got into the Derby first team and the thing that they liked about him was his instinctive shot stopping uh, and being able to come out and smother the ball and lots of the saves that he did against Cardiff were those kind of not really knowing but being in the right place and hitting hitting him but when it came to coming and claiming a cross or dealing with one which is straight down his throat technically there's something wrong there's something there's something not quite there and I'm not saying in any way that I'd be able to be better than that. That's not my point. But his feet just don't seem to move quick enough to get himself set. And therefore, he often mistimes his jump and he he dives very late for shots. And you're like, there's just something that's not quite there with him. And I think that when we gave, he gave the ball out to Edmondson, which for me might not have been the right thing to do, but Edmondson offered. Edmondson lost the ball. And the guy's 40 yards out and he hits it, but it's straight down the middle. But you notice when, when you see the reverse camera of it, Volks picks it up and takes a touch. And the reason why he hits it is because he goes, Roos hasn't, Roos hasn't set himself. He hasn't got himself sorted. And the ball does move, don't get me wrong. But because he hasn't set himself, he mistimes his jump. He then gets a hand to it, but his hand isn't strong enough to turn it over the bar. I think it's a really poor bit of goalkeeping. It's not the reason why we, uh, we lost the game. But if you go back to the Forest game, he almost dropped one at the feet. Uh, of one of the Forest strikers and in fact did really well to recover it but that was a straight down his throat uh, element and he didn't have too much to do I'm going to give him credit for the the tip onto the post perhaps from Matty James's shot uh, in the second half so I, I do think he's got some some good attributes there but I just don't think he's consistent enough to be a to be a top championship goalkeeper and he's a fine backup but but yeah disappointing uh, for me the the effort for that fourth goal are Derby safe then? How many more points do we need? How many more wins can we eke out of this season to stay in this division? Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. We're going to try and work out that magic number. But uh, subscribe if you like to the podcast. If you like Steve Bloomer's washing, then we'd love it if you hit follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Spotify. So when we release an episode, you get it sent straight to your phone or your iPad or whatever you listen on. More in a second. Micklewhite. From Williams. Saunders! That's a brilliant volley, a splendid goal for Derby. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So the fight for survival continues then. Um, Derby currently six, uh, six points clear, is it, from Rotherham, I think, who do have two games in hand. As I tweeted at the time, it does seem a bit like we're just relying on there being three teams worse than us. And I was thinking about this earlier. I just wonder if there's a bit of complacency kicking in, in in the last few performances and the fact that we know that other teams are also in terrible, abysmal form. But we just can't do that. It's just not acceptable because we will get sucked in. And if you look at our fixtures to come, we've got 12 games left, six points from safety, um, sorry, six points clear of uh, the, the bottom three, Away, we've still got to go to Barnsley, Stoke, Reading, Blackburn, Preston and Swansea. And then at home, we've still got to play Millwall, Brentford, Luton, Norwich, Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday. I think the general consensus is that if we can get somewhere near to or about 50 points, that should be enough. So we're going to need three or four wins from those 12 games. Kutch, do you think we'll get them? And where do you think they're coming from? I'll tell you what, it could be a nervous last two games of the season with Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday to play in those, those last, is it the last two games we've got those two or in the last in the, in the last two or three games? 50 points, 
I think we probably will get there. And if we don't need 50 points, I think you're right. I think there'll probably be three other teams who are below us. I think Wednesday and Wickham, I, I can't see Darren Moore turning it around at Wednesday to the extent they get out of it. Rotherham obviously have their games in hand. What worries me a bit about Birmingham City is, although they've been on some poor form, they have actually beat, they are actually winning the games when they play teams around them. They beat QPR in February. They beat Sheffield Wednesday in February. They, they drew of Huddersfield earlier this month, I think. And they obviously got to play us as well. So that concerns me a little bit because that has been our downfall. You know, the reason we're back in this mess at the moment is because we just lost to a team below us again yesterday in, in Coventry City. So if you look at our fixture list, I think it's kind of those teams in that, well, you have top half of the table. I feel more confident picking something up against. I think you're right about complacency. I think that's been a problem all season. They They can't, deal with teams that also want to run hard and do the basics who are around them fighting for their lives i, I st- i'm still relatively confident we'll we'll stay up but i think it'll be more by default of this being possibly the worst quality championship season we've had for a long long time e- even the teams at the very top maybe it, it, the exception being norwich aren't aren't putting up trees this season um, there's there's no there's no real great great teams in this league. There's lots of you know Barnsley have shot up to sixth, and Barnsley wasn't that long ago they were down there with us. So I got haven't got much hope of us picking up points against Barnsley. I think we'll generally stumble over the line, but it's not going to be pretty, and it's going to continue to be boring. Um, and the, the only thing keeping me interested at the moment is is the narrative of the fact that we're in a mess. Other than that, it's it's distinctly well, it's not entertaining to watch, is it at all? So I think I think we'll crawl there. Tom, we're going to have to put it out there, <laughs> say what everyone's thinking. This season has been an absolute slog, and it's a real pretty big chore watching Derby at the moment, isn't it? It's not it's not easy. Um, where do you stand on it? I mean, will we get the three or four wins that we need? Do you think? And do you stint? Do you stand by what you said about who you think's going down? Because I think you said Wickham Wednesday. Did you say Huddersfield as well at the time? Yeah, I did say Huddersfield and I do think that they, they picked up a good point yesterday uh, to go above us or, or on Friday night to go above us. And um, I do I did say that initially, but maybe Birmingham. Uh, it's it's really difficult at the, at the bottom. There's so many teams that, which aren't in good form, myself included. We're still even above Coventry at the moment. So if we if we took that... Uh, we took the table as it is at the end of the season. I'd be, I'd be very happy. Rotherham have obviously got those games in hand, but the old saying of a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, like because they've got, they're going to have to play like all of those games in hand in a very short space of time. Because um, I think the season finishes within two months. It's going to be a, a hectic one for Derby with twelve games in that that time plus an international yeah. break. Six games in eighteen days for Rotherham towards yeah. the end of the season. And they've they've got some sides who are going to be pushing for the top of the league as well. As well, they're meant to play Brentford this weekend, who have been inconsistent recently actually uh, and just dropped off the pace slightly. But but yeah, they, I think that's going to be a real pressure for them. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday look look pretty isolated at the moment, but again, that can change change quite quickly. Although I do think. I do think they are they are now getting cut adrift a little bit with seven points between them and Birmingham City. So there's there's plenty of teams who are still in there and I'm not sure how it's going to go. I do think Derby have enough quality and also have enough fixtures that I, you would expect us to pick the points up uh, against them. And I think, I think four wins and two draws will be enough from our remaining 12 games. Surely we can manage that. Uh, well, it was only a draw, as we said, against Nottingham Forest. Um, Here's a depressing stat for you. We haven't beaten Forest in eight games. And the last time we beat Forest was in October 2017, when this podcast was only two months old, when we'd done fewer <laughs> than about 10 episodes. And we're now on 106. 
So we've done about 100 podcast episodes since we last beat Forrest, which is maybe it's our fault. I don't know. Maybe we're the problem. <laughs> um, but Colin Kazim Richards' goal, absolute rocket. Amazing goal. What a strike. I've got a lot of time for a volley where it just sits up for someone and they like smash it, put the foot through it, and it like dips viciously into the corner. So one for you, Kutch. Which, which would you prefer, the, the CKR volley against Forrest or that? that rasping rising drive uh, against Middlesbrough the week before. Yeah, it's, it's got to be the Forest one in terms of, again, in terms of narrative, in terms of what it meant, its importance to that match. It has to be that one. But in terms of a, actually watching the strike and the, and the quality of the strike, I think I prefer the one against Middlesbrough. You know, as we always say, it, came, it went in off the bar. It rattled the bar. That gives it an extra five goal points alone. It was also the surprise of it. You weren't necessarily expecting him just to smack it in. You haven't, we hadn't really seen him do that before. So it was completely shock when it happened, watching it uh, on TV. It was a genuine shock where it happened, whereas the one against Nottingham Forest, it kind of sat up, but it was begging to be hit. The way that it just fell to him you know, after bouncing around off a couple of Forest players, you could see him winding up to smack it. So it, it didn't come out of the blue as much. Uh, obviously, in, in the context the game it came out of the blue because we probably were, were fortunate to, to bang that one in but I think technically wise uh, and aesthetic wise I prefer the Millsborough goal in terms of importance I prefer the CKR goal if I was voting for a goal a month or a goal of the season out of those two I'd, I'd probably go with the Borough one Tom it's a hell of a week for CKR wasn't it he got that goal against Forest, the uh, the other screaming against Middlesbrough that filthy assist against Huddersfield what, a, uh, what an assist that was and rounded off with a new contract a uh, bit of a no-brainer, really, wasn't it? Are you happy to see CKR sign on for another year? I'll keep this one nice and short. Yes, absolutely. Great great players. We've had a really great season, so long may that continue into next year. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo that. I mean, he's as we said before, he's exactly what we need right now. Um, he's, he's, he's If we stay up, he's going to be a huge part of us staying up along with a couple of months of Christian of getting Christian Bielik fit, I think equally important as well in that run of form. I will just temper that a little bit by saying if if CKR is the most exciting or or the player that we're excited about watching in this Derby team the most, that doesn't say much to the rest of this Derby County team. Because he is, you know, he's he's scored two great goals and he scored a few other very important goals headers and, and and kind of being alert in the box in the six yard box but it's not it's not an exciting player in in, in the set in the normal sense of the word and in the fact that he is kind of the player that fans are most excited about says a lot about the quality in this team and that needs to be fixed next season he can't be he can't be the most exciting effective player in the team next season because we'll just be in for exactly the same i completely agree like he's been great and what we're saying sounds like we're we're really like uh, you know undervaluing his contribution, but he he was signed really as a bit of a stopgap. He's been an amazing stopgap. He's been fantastic. He's ex- way exceeded any of our expectations. But for all the good that he's done, I, I I'm not sure I'm comfortable with seeing him lead the line as our number one striker last season. I'd I'd love it. We need to get someone else in. And for me. As good as CKR has been, I think he has to be a bit part player, you know, like an impact sub. And we can't surely expect him to play like 45, 50 games next season as play as much football as he has this one. But bottom line is we're all really happy he has signed on because he's been great and he's really helped. So let's leave it there for that contribution. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Keep Keep it short and sweet for this one. But a couple of things we have to talk about really, before we 
wrap up this podcast in any other business. Tom, we, we talked about how we're going to tackle this one, but Derby County have said that they are going to stop taking the knee before games. Uh, they released a, a lengthy series of tweets and a statement on the, on the website describing the reasons why, saying that they're, they're stopping taking the knee in no way diminishes their support for uh, the fight against discrimination. They're going like, to line up alongside each other as a show of solidarity instead. How, how, do you, how do you feel about it? I, for one, would say I welcome the decision, really. Um, we're not the first club to have done this. Uh, Brentford stopped doing it as well. But I think we now have got to the point where actions, you want to think that actions speak louder than symbols. And I think that the narrative and the discussion has moved on to the point where it's now right. The, the awareness has been raised. It's uh, part of the national conversation again. It's being talked about by the right people. What are we doing as a result of taking the knee? Where is it going from here? And it seems like Derby, are uh, that's their thinking as well. But where do you stand on it, Tom? Yeah, um, I agree with what you've said there. That it's unanimous as well within the club, which I think is really important, that, that togetherness and solidarity. Now, taking the knee was to support the Black Lives Matter movement and to highlight those uh, these issues of discrimination that face black people and all uh, minorities and and people who are viewed to be different within society in this country and also beyond. And that was the gesture of taking the knee was important for campaigning about equality and fairness. But unfortunately, it has not seen a massive tangible impact positively in terms of like making positive change, which we can really measure. And actually, people now associate Black Lives Matter with negative things such as Marxism, violence and defunding the police which clearly detract from the main issue and a message that we need to campaign for equality. And the fact that recently, including our own Kaz and Richards, several footballers across the country have received racist abuse on social media uh, and nothing really seems to be done by the governing bodies or nothing seems to come of police investigations or, or even social media companies. And this is just the, really the tip of the iceberg because it's happening to footballers, it's happening across society, and it's happening across the world. And that's the thing that really needs to be changed. And Rooney's message that came out in the press a couple of days ago, uh, which preempted the unanimous announcement, had clearly been sparked by conversations in the Derby dressing room. And I, for one, definitely welcome that. The fact that the club has leaders like Kazim Richards, like Andre Wisdom, like Wayne Rooney, who want to speak out and they want to make changes. And the players and the staff at the club are united behind them and will stand together, tall and proud against idiots and bigots who discriminate uh, against other people. And I think that's really important to, to call those people out for who they are and what they are. This is not going to go away and we need to continue the conversation because it's been talked about, but still nothing has changed. And there is still racist beliefs and there's still discrimination against people. You just have to open up Twitter and you see things where you're just like, I can't believe you're saying that in the public sphere. That is so ignorant. And people, people do have... Um, there does need to be an education in there and there does need to be a tangible change and I think I really support the fact that Derby have changed their view in terms of what they're going to do but they haven't changed their view in terms of they still stand against discrimination they will not tolerate it and it needs to be kept in the public eye so people are not subject to vile and disgusting abuse because of the colour of their skin or because of anything uh, that marks them out as slightly different to the, to the norm so yeah I totally support what Derby have done and I, I think it's a strong stand 
I think what's what's really important about about what the way that Derby have gone about this, and as he said, that the, the whole squad, the coaching staff, the management, you'd imagine they have the full support of the whole club behind them as well. Is that it's not? Oh, we're going to stop taking the knee because it's become devalued and do nothing else. They, they've obviously discussed what else they can do in terms of making a statement, and that's what's really important. Like you said, Tom, about continue, continuing the conversation, and I think by doing this, it does a number of things. One, there's been this, as you said, you know. In my opinion, wrongly, there's been this. Um, people wanted to, re- to project. People who wanted to undermine the Black Lives Matter movement and and taking the knee, whether in in sporting events or whatever um, occasions it ha- it happens, that people were projecting onto it these ideas that it's associated with Marxism, etc., and defunding the police. In my opinion, uh, wrongly, because there's there's two different things. There's a Black Lives Matter political movement and there's a Black Li- Black Lives Matter movement, and they are actually two different things. So that was always wrong. To project onto it but it was being used to undermine it so what happened was that people were just dismissing people taking the knee just by using these these excuses now what darby have done is saying well we're going to stop doing this we're going to make this other statement well let's see now if those same people continue to undermine that message or we'll know exactly why they're undermining it because they don't like being called out for there being an unjust society so i think it's important in in that way something that we always say i think i always try and remind people we're three very privileged white blokes talking about football on a podcast so a lot of these issues don't impact us directly at all tom has a bit more insight working as a teacher in in london i think into some of these issues than, than we do but you know Lots of people say, oh, we're tired of talking about this now. We're tired of seeing this message ram down our throats. And you see that all the time. And Ryan Conway actually tweeted about this. I think it was last night. And he said, you know, for those people saying, I'm tired of it now. Well, Ryan says, I'm tired too. Plenty of us are tired of experiencing racism. Be lucky you're only tired of being exposed to symbols, protests, talk and statements. You know, it's much more tiring for those who are actually victims of discrimination uh, and racism. So I think it's I think it's generally the right thing to right thing to do. I was a little bit skeptical when I saw they stopped doing it, but when I saw what um, when I saw what the statement was in place of it and uh, and the rationale behind it and it's important you do explain these things uh, are fully behind the club so uh, so well done to everyone involved at the club for continuing it and I think they need to it can't just be for the rest of the season I think it has to continue because we we see it all the time whether it's in racist tweets or the way that black and ethnic minority people are treated in in, in our in our country and more broadly yeah I agree and uh, all I really hope is as I said at the start is that there are tangible actions practical steps measurable um actions taken to 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 move on the narrative to build on the awareness that's been built and i know the premier league uh they released a um, like a racism action plan last month in their efforts to combat to combat it where they talked about hitting certain diversity targets within their executive executive board by 2026 um and they talked about increasing pathways for black players and coaches although it does seem to me like that is the sort of thing they've been trying to do for a long time but as you said tom like when you've got colin cousin richards having to explain to his own kids why he's being racially abused it's clear that (laughs) you can't sweep it under the carpet the problem is still very much there but look we welcome it and we appreciate we're starting to sound like we're lecturing you on everyone else now so we just felt we wanted to address it and we wanted to um, just have I say on it for whatever uh, position of privilege we, we we come from. So there we go. Tom, another one you wanted to flag up yourself is that there was some uh, very sad news, uh, two very, very sad pieces of news coming out of Derby County this week from which we wanted to uh, pay our respects towards. 
Yeah, um, just respect to uh, Mickey Lewis, who played for Derby for four years between uh, 1984 and 1988. I think he played 50 league games for us. Um, He passed away uh, recently from uh, cancer and also a former Derby Academy of Product tragically has died aged 20, uh, Matty Langton. So our thoughts are are with the families and the friends of all those people. Um, I'm pretty sure Louis Sibley uh, tweeted out about Matty Langton, so including the players who who knew the young young man who's who tragically had his life cut short uh, recently. So our thoughts and prayers are with their, their families and friends. Well said. Amen to that. Well, look, we're going to try and finish the pod uh, with our usual bit of, of trivia nonsense. Boys, I've got a question. You've got the answer, I hope. I am at a football stadium that holds 3,000, up to 3,300 away fans. Where am I? Catch. The, what's it called now? The Walker Stadium. That's what I was going for. Is incorrect. I'm going to go the St. Trillian's, whatever it is, stadium we played at yesterday, otherwise known as St. Andrews. That is also incorrect. I am at a stadium that holds 3,300 away fans and is three hours and 13 minutes in the car from Pride Park Stadium. Catch. Oh, it was just cut by a split second, probably due to Tom's Wi-Fi. Unlucky, mate. (laughs) Uh, The Riverside. The Riverside Stadium is incorrect. Sticking in the same area of the country, uh, Tom, the Stadium of Light. Stadium of Light is incorrect. I am at a stadium that holds 3,300 away fans. It's three hours, 13 minutes in Pride Park and has a total capacity of 30,750. Tom, the Valley. The Valley in Charlton is incorrect. You are at least in the right half of the country, though. Catch. Portman Road. Portman Road, Ipswich. It's good, but it's not right, I'm afraid. Uh, Clue number four. The away end at this stadium features catering that includes a vegetarian button at squash pie, but at a price of £4.20, their pies are among the most expensive in the league. Uh, Tom... Carra Road, Norwich. <laughs> I was wondering if you could read my mind on the logic behind this clue. Carra Road, Norwich, incorrect. Another good guess. Catch. I didn't think it was this big, but I'm going to go Craven Cottage. Craven Cottage is also incorrect. Oh, for fuck. Clue number five. Derby last played here in an FA Cup tie Tom. under Frank Lampard in February 2019, Tom. So I actually changed my last guess from this one I'm going to say to Norwich due to your very close and Delia Smith perhaps inspired thing about uh, pies. So I went then went Norwich, but actually it's St. Mary's Southampton. St. Mary's Southampton is incorrect. Oh, I thought it was right, but it's wrong. You're very, very close. Um, Cut. Coach, Cut. Come on. Uh, Portman, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Fratton Park. Fratton Park, Portsmouth is also incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Clue number six. I hadn't actually written a clue this far, so I'm going to have to make one up. Is that we have been there several times, including a 3-0 defeat, which was Steve McLaren's last game Tom. in charge before he was sacked. Go on, Tom, put us out of our misery. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Brighton, isn't it? The Wifteen Stadium, not the Wifteen Stadium, the Amex Stadium. The Amex 
Community Stadium is correct, finally. Basically, every every football stadium south of the Thames we named there, I think. Um, <laughs> I thought the pie thing was a good clue. I thought you were like clued up on away end pies. I thought like Brighton were quite famous for having vegetarian pies. No? No. God, that must have been frustrating for listeners who guessed Annex Stadium about five rounds ago. <laughs> the, the, the pie thing, Chris, reminded me of uh, going to Stoke City with you in the League Cup quarterfinal all those years ago when you could have got a, uh, a pie and a drink for £4.10 or two pies and two drinks for £8.20, which is... That's- Absolutely it, yeah. unfailing bargainous uh, yeah. advertising. Well done, uh, well done, Tom. He's uh, it's got a rare victory for him, Tom, this season. Back on form. So well done to you. Uh, we will be returning on the podcast in a couple of weeks. We're going to squeeze another one in this month, and uh, stay tuned. We've got an interview coming up with. It's fair to say, Kutch, no spoilers, but a real cult hero. Yeah, no, absolute cult hero. One of my all-time faves. Um, from a few good good few years ago at Derby County. Yeah, really, really excited to see the fans' reaction to this one. I appreciate you joining us, boys. Uh, Rich, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you, Chris, as always. Tom, speak to you soon. Thanks very much. Hopefully my return to quiz form leads Derby's return to actual form in real life. All the best. There's no logic behind that, but fingers crossed. <laughs>